Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church Audio Podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. It is good to be in the presence of the Lord as always, and to share the word of the living God with you. So today we're starting a new series from the book of Ephesians entitled The Journey of a Jesus Follower. The Journey of a Jesus Follower. So turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and we're going to begin our reading in verse 1 and read verses 1 through 14. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and God chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we are received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who are the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the reading of your word. Now God bless the speaking of your word, I pray. Lord, as I stand before your people, God, I pray that you would just even now begin to release in this atmosphere a greater 
presence of your glory and majesty. I pray, God, that your word would bring us to a place of true worship and adoration for you. That we would give you praise and glorify you because you are the one and only true God. And you're the one who loved us from the very beginning and you're the one who redeemed us and you're the one who had a plan and a purpose for us. Even when we was lost and without hope, you sent hope into the world through your son, Jesus Christ. And because of him, we now have hope. We now have life. So Lord, just let the power of your word transform lives this morning Holy Spirit come sir and have your way I yield my members to you speak to God's people in the mighty name of Jesus amen and amen thank you my brother well good morning and I also want to welcome our online viewers today thank you for joining us as well as our first time guests and again, please join us after the service in Connection Corner. We'd love to meet you and spend a little time with you and get to know you this morning. The journey of a Jesus follower. How many of you know that you're on a journey with God? How many of you know that this journey is, is best discovered when you live your life according to God's plan. As a Jesus follower, God has a plan for your life. A plan that intersects his plan for the church. As you better understand God's plan for the church, the body of Christ, you come to better know God's plan for you. So as we begin this series in the book of Ephesians, today I want to speak to you the word of the Lord entitled, God's Plan Revealed. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You have a future in God. You have a future in God. Find that future and you will prosper and live a life that is filled with hope, joy, and peace. The plan that God spoke to, spoke to about in Jeremiah was based on the covenant of old. But we now have a new covenant that provides for us a new and, and living way. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 8, 6, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a better covenant with God that is based on better promises. What God spoke to Israel through Jeremiah was a good plan. It was a plan to prosper his people 
and give them hope for a future. But the writer of Hebrews declared, we have a better covenant that's been established upon better promises than what the, 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 the God's people of old had. The book of Ephesians unwraps for us God's plan for a better covenant that is based on better promises. It is one of four books written by Paul from, from prison. From that damp, dark confinement of a dungeon, Paul writes about the hope we have in Jesus. Though this letter is addressed to the church at Ephesus, the audience of this writing was to be much broader. For even as Paul penned it, he did so with the hope that it would be read throughout all the churches that he had founded or established. This book was not written to counteract heresy or to confront problems that were in the church. But this book is a letter of promised blessings, assured grace, and guaranteed victory over evil for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to say that again. Not written to counteract heresy or confront specific problems in the church, Ephesians is a letter of promised blessings of assured grace and of guaranteed victory over evil for those who are in Christ Jesus. Deeply stirred by an expanding revelation of the church, Paul pins this letter to share a deep knowledge that was born out of God-given insight. Insight about God's design, God's purpose, and God's plan for the church, the body of Christ, which he has made us members of. Seeing the church as Christ's body and as God's instrument to confront and overthrow evil powers, Paul writes to elaborate on various themes throughout this book. This book unveils the mysterious plan of the church as no other epistle does. In it, we see God's plan to establish the church as its agent on earth It revealed in these ways. Number one, by forming a body to express the fullness of Christ. Two, by uniting into one people, both Jew and Gentile, among whom God himself would dwell. And three, by equipping empowering and maturing God's people to the end that they extend Christ's victory over the forces of evil. A victory that starts in the personal life of the believer and from there flows out and touch the lives of others. This book establishes better than any other book that it mentions of spiritual authority that we have been given over evil. You must know that in Christ Jesus, you have been given spiritual authority over evil. And Paul establishes that in Ephesians. 
And we've been given that authority through God's mighty power at work in us. What Kathy spoke of, the grace of God is woven throughout the whole book of Ephesians. And you must understand that you must live under the grace of the living God. You must depend on the grace of the living God. You must rely on the grace of the living God. God will use your knowledge. He will use your talent. He will use your gifting and abilities. But more than anything, he wants you to submit to his grace and let his grace rule in your heart. We have a life in Christ that has been filled with the grace of God, that has been poured out on those who belong to Jesus. And this is all part of God's plan for the church, that we have this kind of life. And Paul unwraps the grace and spiritual blessings given to the church, utilizing primarily six things throughout, the, throughout this book. He talks about the believer's position in Christ. He talks about the believer's past, present, and future. He talks about the believer's call to responsibility, the believer's call to purity, the believer's call to a spirit-filled life, and finally, the believer's call to spiritual warfare. We are called to engage in war against the forces of evil. And if you do not understand that and begin to learn how to fight against evil, you will be overrun by it. If you do not understand that we, we, we were called to spiritual warfare, we've been given authority by God over evil, and if you do not actively pursue God and engage in that warfare, you will be overrun by evil. So do not sit idly by just getting through life. Be found in Christ in everything you do, in every waking moment of your life. Be found in Christ. And let the life of God that he, he poured in Christ, let that life flow in you and out of you. That is how you live victoriously. You cannot defeat an enemy on your own that you cannot see. Where do you swing? What do you swing at? When do you swing? When is he close enough for you to lay one on him? You don't know that with your natural eyes. You've got to know that by the Spirit of God. And Paul explains in this book that God has called us to victory over evil. So stop being run over and take a stand. Jesus died for you. He died for the life you now live. Live that life in Christ. And God will give you winning ways over evil. One of the most moving passages in all the scripture concerns the church in Ephesus. A, pas a passage of scripture that captures Paul's love for the church as he said goodbye to the elders 
who had been placed in their church. He said to them in Acts chapter 20, my life is worth nothing to me. Listen to what Paul said. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned to me by Jesus. That statement defined Paul's life in Christ. To finish what Jesus gave him to do. So regardless of the successes or the failures that you have had in life, let that be your desire to finish well. When finishing what Jesus has given you to do motivates you, you will experience God's power at work in and around you in a very tangible way. Paul goes on to say to the elders at Ephesus, I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. So guard yourselves and guard God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders over. And know that false teachers will come in after, come in among you after I leave not sparing the flock. Now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those who has been set apart for God. Paul said, I also remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he finished speaking those words, he knelt and prayed with them. And they all cried and embraced and kissed him goodbye. And the Bible tells us they were sad most of all because he said that they would never see his face again. Years after the church at Ephesus was established by Paul, Jesus sent a message to this church that is found in the book of Revelation. He said in Revelation 2, verses 1 through 5, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. Jesus said, I know all the things you do. I've seen your work, your hard work. I've seen your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. I know you've examined the claims of those who say there are apostles but are not. You have discovered their lies. So we see here that they learn well what Paul warned them about false teachers in the book of Acts. Jesus went on to say, You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. 
you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Do you hear the Lord's message to this once amazing church? To the church that was given God's plan for the church. They had done and were doing some amazing things for the Lord. But please hear me. Their good works were not enough because they had abandoned the way of love. They lost their love for Jesus and their love for one another. Please hear me, church. God does not want just your good works. God wants your heart. Give him your heart. And let the works you do for him flow out of, a, out, out of that place of love. I pray that we do not lose our way or have our lampstand removed because we stopped loving as we should. Paul starts Ephesians by making a declaration about the people of God. He said in verse 1, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Two things define the church that Paul was writing to. Number one, they were holy. And number two, they were faithful followers of Jesus. We, the church, the body of Christ, are to be holy. We're to be set apart by God and for God. Amen. And being holy is not merely a, a religious statement or, or a title, but it is, a, it is a, a declared state of being. God calls us holy because we've been set apart through the salvation we have in Jesus. Out of that state of existence, everything else in this book established so know that you have been made holy by God and commit to being a faithful follower of Jesus if you do not live out of those two places the declarations and proclamations made throughout this book will be futile to you you must first be in Christ before you can be for Christ. Be in Christ. Be found in Christ. Be found in the holiness of Christ. You cannot live as one seated in heavenly places if you do not, do not live a, a holy life. If you're not set apart for God, if you're not at least trying to live a holy life, please be careful of the spiritual warfare you engage in. Find somebody else to pray for you. 
must be holy. You cannot live as one seated in heavenly places if you do not live a holy life. Your past, your present, and your future will only be found in Christ when you are set apart for Christ. We can never live up to our God-given responsibility. or We can never live a pure life, a spirit-filled life, if we're not hidden in Christ. We will not find victory but defeat on the battlefields we war on apart from the holiness of God. You must be holy. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you must be holy. Say it again, neighbor, you must be holy. God has made you to be holy. You just got to learn how to live in that holy place. And it's not something that you can produce in yourself or by yourself. It's a state of existence, a state of being set apart, a state of being hidden in Christ. That's what holiness is. As a faithful follower of Christ, you must be holy. It's a prerequisite to being a Jesus follower. Paul goes on to pray that God our Father and the Lord Jesus would give us grace and peace. He writes that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Let me ask you a question. What do you think Paul meant by every spiritual blessing? Not a trick question. It's really not. Huh? Every spiritual blessing. He mean, it means what he says. God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because you have been united with Christ. In Christ, there is not one spiritual blessing that God has not provided for you. Not one. Victory over sin has been provided for you by God. Life in the spirit has been provided for you by God. Peace and grace have been provided for you by God. We've been chosen by God, adopted by God, forgiven by God. We have victory over, the, over sickness in God. The ability to defeat the power of the darkness that assails us, we have that because God has provided for us every spiritual blessing. And Ephesians tells us that God had a plan for us before the foundations of the world, a plan for us to live united, live united and at peace with him, a plan that at one time looked lost but was not lost at all because it was all part of God's plan. You know how sometimes with God you, you, you see something and, and you think you see and you understand, but you find out later on it wasn't really what you thought it was at all? That's what God's plan was like. 
That's why God's own people couldn't accept this plan. They couldn't accept Pastor Angela. That God no no longer required for them to be made right in in his eyes by the keeping of the law. That he'd sent his son who kept the law perfectly. And when we accept his works, we are made righteous and holy. They couldn't understand that. The plan was hidden from them because they they were law keepers. Even today, too many in the church believe they can earn their way to heaven instead of believing their way to heaven. Paul goes on to say that even before the worlds were made, God loved us. Think about this. Before the world was made, God loved you. And God chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? When your life is hidden in Christ, what God sees is a life that is holy and without fault. Now, please understand me. This is not a license to sin. Because God's called you out of that. So don't get it, don't get it twisted. This is not a greasy grace message. This is a God's grace message. And when you understand God's grace and live by God's grace, then you don't sin and make excuses by saying, well, I'm covered by the grace of God. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. When you're in Christ Jesus, you hate sin like God hates it. And if you don't hate sin, you better check yourself. You better check yourself. God hates sin. And we're to hate sin too. So I'm not saying that because of God's grace, we can live any way we want to. That's the farthest thing from the truth. You have to live a holy life. You have to live a life that is set apart for Christ. But God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So it matters not what you look like to man. The most important thing is how does God see you? That's the most important thing. God predestined or he predetermined in advance to adopt us into his family. Now also please understand this, that that does not suggest a fatalism that excludes some while including others, but it speaks of God's plan and guaranteed destiny, God's guaranteed destiny for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we will be found in Christ. That is what God wanted to do. 
That was his plan in the beginning. And in that plan, he was pleased. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Ephesians tells us that God is rich with kindness and grace and that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. That he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. So if you lack wisdom in an area of your life, ask God. If you lack understanding, ask God. If you need to experience the kindness and gentleness of God, he has provided those for you as well. In Christ Jesus, you have been given everything you need. God has given you every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And Ephesians revealed to us God's mysterious plan concerning Jesus and the church. A plan that in times past was a, was a divine secret. But in the era we now live, that mystery is a fully disclosed truth for understanding and for application. You see, you must not just understand the truths of Ephesians. You must begin to apply these truths to your life. And Paul goes on to say, this was God's plan. That at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. And we, the body of Christ, is God's one and only plan to complete what Jesus started. God didn't have a plan B. We're it. We're it, Gary. We got to complete what Jesus started. Verse 11, because we're united with Christ, we are received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and make everything work out according to his plan. According to his plan speaks of God's eternal and unchangeable plan of redemption and the restoration of order to a world that had grown dark and chaotic. A darkness that we, the church, must push back. A chaos that still yearns for order. You're part of God's plan to do that. To push back the darkness and establish God's order on the earth. God's plan is to offer salvation to this world just as he purposed in the beginning. He's a sovereign God. He is a God who's in charge. So when your life seems to be spinning out of control, call on the Lord and rest in the fact that Jesus is Lord over your life. God's plan would not be thwarted as long as we live according to that plan no matter what evil Satan may bring our way. So stay in Christ Jesus, and the peace of God will both rule your life and guard your heart. God's purpose, his plan, his mystery was to bring together as one both Jew and Gentile, that through the unified body of Christ, he would rule and reign through the person of the Holy Spirit who was promised and then given to us as promised. And Paul writes in verse 14 that the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee 
that he would give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. The New King James puts it this way. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. The Holy Spirit is God's seal upon you that you belong to him. The Holy Spirit is God's deposit in your life, guaranteeing that he will do what he said he would do. The Holy Spirit is God's down payment, God's first installment. He is God's validating signature on the contract of your life. So when life gets rough and and doubt and belief starts to creep in, remember the day of your salvation, the day God placed his seal on your life. The Holy Spirit's presence demonstrates that we are in the faith. It proves that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit is the seal that secures eternal life for us. But God wants to do more than seal you with his spirit. He also wants to fill you with his spirit. So if you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you are missing out on an amazing grace from God that cannot be described or understood with mere words. The Holy Spirit's power works in us to transform us and it's just a taste of what is to come. Paul establishes in Ephesians the fact that if God is this good to us now, we can only imagine the goodness that is yet to come. If if the life you have in Christ is this good now, can you imagine the life that awaits you? My prayer is that over the next few weeks as we go through this series, the journey of a Jesus follower, that we're all stirred to become more like Jesus. And I want to conclude my time with you this morning by reading uh, um, uh, the conclusion of this book I just finished reading called The Catalyst Leader by Brad Lominick. And, and I've, I've reworded just a few things Brad say here to make this applicable to you. Listen to what he writes. Your legacy, regardless of where you are on your journey, starts today. The way you start will determine how you finish. The time has come for you to be with, to be who God has called you to be, to live out his purpose for your life. Never let your ambition force you to create a false self. As you live, share the real you with others. Root yourself in an an untamable love for God. Seek him first and let him handle the lesser things. As you pursue your calling, make excellence a a non-negotiable item because God deserves your best. When the time comes to take a risk, or make a difficult decision, push through the fear. God will sustain you. Let your convictions and principles steady you. Hold fast to your integrity, your discipline, and your humility. When stress runs high and difficulties arise, keep hoping. Remember that with God on your side, a better better tomorrow awaits you. Build bridges, not walls, with those around you. There's power in unity. And finally, 
Don't believe the lie that you are the center of the universe. Don't believe the lie that you are the center of the universe. Seek out other people, wiser people, who can help grow you, encourage you, and guide you. And then pour your life into others. The journey Jesus began is now yours to complete. Live now for God. Live well for God. Become the change maker that God called you to be. Amen. And that's a wrap. This concludes today's message. Thanks again for joining us. We pray that you have been encouraged and empowered by today's message. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.